We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another BuzzBeat. This is Richie, and on today's episode, you are going to listen to Brian and Spencer talk about some of the younger guys on the roster, specifically Nick Smith Jr. and Bryce McGowans. They give their updated thoughts on them as players and what their future holds moving forward with the team. In the second half of this episode, BG and SP, they chat about some NBA draft prospects out of the ACC They recorded this over the past weekend, so some of the games that they speak of have already happened. Regardless, some good information about these up-and-coming guys that some may be in the draft for 2024. Lastly, before we jump in, we'd appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you'd like a way to support us and you like what we do, the most effective way to do that is is to get on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and hit those five stars for us. Okay, let's jump into their conversation. All right, BG, let's uh, let's jump in. Look at some of the younger players on this roster, two specifically that that we feel like are going to be here long term. At least I would say now, both of these guys would project to get a second contract from Charlotte. We'll see. Let's start with uh, let's start with Bryce McGowan's. Um, he has certainly supplanted himself into the rotation, um, starting to get squeezed a little bit here as of late. Um, but consistent minutes this season for really the first time in his career, a lot of that is injury dependent, um, you know, for this roster. But he's had some he's shown some real flashes. I mean, I think he shot the ball pretty well um, so far. He definitely has a defensive mentality, although I think he's a, a little bit physically overtaxed. Uh, at the position that Charlotte's asking him to play, that that small forward position a lot of times. Uh, I think he can put on muscle. But it, like last night we were talking before we jumped on here, that Chicago game was like very clear. He's just not physically ready uh, to play that wing position consistently in the NBA yet. But, yeah, I just like his energy level. I like how he competes. Um, I like what he brings to the floor. Uh, he, he really brings a, a do-it-all mentality. Uh, it reminds me some way of, of Cody Martin um, in that sense with just less skill level at this point. But where do you stand on Bryce this early in his career? Yeah, I, I like I like McGowan's as a prospect. I thought he had um, a, a nice rookie season. I thought he played well the final you know, two months of last season. 
And, and during that time period, I thought sort of the stuff that the thing that really stood out the most from him, uh, you know, along with the, his ability to, to work as a cutter or to get out and transition was his, his catch and go game. Um, and, you know, when he's able to hit enough threes to, to force a hard close out and he had the ability to get downhill on the, on those looks to catch and go. Um, and that was also where you would get the occasional bits of, you know, Bryce McGowan's playmaking, drop off passes or, or kickouts, that type of stuff. Um, and I think he's like, like in year two, he's continued to play well within that role. Um, the Hornets are not a good spot up team for, for a, a bunch of different reasons, but Bryce, you know, <clears throat> shooting 40% on threes, almost four attempts uh, per 36 minutes. Um, probably in maybe a little bit more of like a catch and shoot role as of now. I could see, depending on how the roster changes, you know, I could certainly see the the final, you know, third of the season, that type of stuff. You know, getting to see Bryce play with the ball a little bit more here and there, run more pick and roll. Um, but I think he has played well in in this sort of like catch and go spot up role um, this season. Um, not shooting a great number on spot and shoot on spot up threes, 38%. It's all right. Um, and overall on spot up possessions this season, 0.91 points per possession. He's been good in transition. And when he has got, when he has, you know, been able to run pick and roll here and there, um, he has, he's, he scored efficiently, uh, on, on relatively low, low, um, volume, but, I like the fact that he can he there's at least a hint of that because that's the, that is the real like Charlotte finding value by drafting Bryce early in the second round of the uh 2022 draft is you know he either turns you know he turns into like a good enough shooter so you can be in a rotation as a you know uh 3ish and D-ish wing or he's got some like you know untapped upside uh with the ball in his hands and can you know uh, sort of create some of his own offense. I, I think I know at this point which of those two I'm, I'm feeling like a little, at least a little bit more confident in. But the fact that he he, he does have some ability to to go with the ball is uh, I, I do think is encouraging. He just turned 21 years old. Like to your point, um, Spencer at the top, like he's very young. Um, he needs to get stronger, but he's got the length and he can do a couple different things offensively that makes him playable on that side of the court. So it's like if he does get stronger, he becomes a better uh, you know team and on ball defender. Well, then yeah, Charlotte may have found something. So um, I, I don't think there's I'm not you know uh, head over heels excited, but I think like McGowan's development has been totally fine this season. Um, and certainly like looks solid for a, a you know second round pick. Um, who again just is in his you know age twenty one season right now. So I, I think he's one of the he and uh, you know we're gonna, we're going to discuss Smith Junior here. Those are the two guys that I think are or at least two of the guys that on the roster or guys that the Hornets have rights to. If you want to um, sort of like pan out even further, that I could see be a part could see the, those guys having an increased role. You know, two years from now, as Charlotte tries to build things up, like there's there's maybe some upside there, even if they're not like glued into being a part of the young core with Lamelo, Brandon Miller, and, and Mark Williams. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I would add to that is, you know, and, and you started to touch on it, but you know, McGowan's did show in college. I mean, he can certainly play with the ball in his hands. He's a For good sure. slasher. 
Um, you know, I'm not sure off the top of my head what his pick and roll numbers look like in Nebraska, but you know, I, I that is the that is where Charlotte realizes that they have a real guy. Is if Bryce McGowan's can play as a third or fourth option, right on a, on a pretty decent team and some some facet of offensive creator. And I think it's in there, but he needs the reps. Uh, and we'll get to this later. We're going to talk about Terry Rozier trade ideas, but if that were to come to fruition, Bryce McGowan's get a lot more chops, you know, yeah. later in the season to try on the ball stuff. So, um, all right. His, Nick, by the by the way, his pick and roll numbers at Nebraska were pretty good, like pretty on good. high on high volume. A big chunk of that was he drew a, a ton of fouls on, on yeah. those types of looks. So, but yeah, he, he he on high volume was pretty good as like a freshman six seven pick and roll ball handler. Which is why I liked him as a pick because I think betting on six seven that can run a pick and roll um, is, is something that's like worthwhile uh, with the draft in the NBA. Definitely, and and that's the th- and then you know it, it kind of dovetails into one other point. I, I think he needs to play at least right now. He needs to play two, running a pick and roll. You know, as as the two off the bench against another two is way way different. He's able to use that link, see over the top, be that high you know efficient pick-and-roll ball handler that he was at Nebraska versus third option playing three against a defender who's going to swallow him up, which I I think we've seen here recently and why his minutes have been squeezed a little bit. Um, All right, Nick Smith Jr., Um, you know, I I really like this guy at Arkansas. I was excited when the Hornets drafted him. Um, I've been tooting the horn on him getting more minutes all year, and he's, he's a really exciting prospect. I mean, the way that he is shooting the ball right now, is way, way ahead of schedule, especially above the break uh, to me. I just had it pulled up. According to cleaning the glass above the break right now, he's uh, 17 of 27, so just get rid of garbage (laughs) time. That's uh, a a crazy number, Um, you know, small sample size alert there. But, I mean, he has the ability to get his own shot from deep uh, pretty much any time he wants. I'd like to see see him get downhill more often. Um, He's – kind of falling into this like Terry Rozier lamella ball trap of settling for those above the break threes when, when you think that they could get a little closer to the rim. But uh, I I mean, look, the Hornets got something here. There's no question. I mean, I I think he could be a starter one day for them. Um, I think he could start next to lamella ball and pretty, be a pretty good compliment. And I think there's just a lot more to tap into with Nick Smith jr. Again, I think the biggest thing is just him getting downhill to the rim more often and using that quickness and athleticism that he has a lot of, I don't think we've seen a lot of that yet, uh, but that's not unique for a rookie. You know, he's, he's trying to figure out the speed of the game and the physicality of the game in the NBA. And then lastly, you know, defense, like this guy can be a, a really impactful on ball, you know, heating it up as soon as it crosses half court against one's kind of guy in the NBA, I think, um, so I think he's got a very complete game, BG. I mean, he's he's kind of been – I mean, he's ahead of schedule for sure in some ways, but he's also kind of been exactly what I saw at Arkansas. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, he, he missed a chunk, of, a big chunk of time at Arkansas last year um, dealing with injuries. And, and sort of even when he came back late in the season in the NCAA tournament, probably wasn't quite himself. Um, he got hurt <clears throat> preseason when, when Arkansas was playing um, over in Europe. But he's a guy I really liked when I saw him play at the, the Hoop Summit, the Nike Hoop Summit in 2022. He was, I thought, one of the the best players on the floor in that game with a ton of future future NBA talent. Um, yeah, it's been awesome to see. That's been like one of the few good developments the last month or so has just been seeing NSJ getting to play more and, and I think pretty play pretty well. Um, I do think some of his production has been – is maybe like slightly inflated by like him just shooting probably better – than you would expect him to from three. Um, he's above 51% on catch and shoot threes this season. So, you know, that probably comes down a little bit, which probably drops the overall efficiency down a little bit. As you mentioned, he's not really getting to the rim. I looked this up earlier, cleaning the glass. I think 8% of his field goal attempts have been, you know, inside of four feet this year. And, you know, he played well against Chicago Friday night, <clears throat> mostly, you know, shooting getting to hit some sh- hit, hit some shots. And I think the only downhill basket he had was when he caught like uh, Vucevic on a cross match, you know, in like transition. And he drove from the corner and it did a little, you know, reverse layup, used the rim as a, an extra defender. And like, he's got some of that, like just like fun shot making tools to his game. Um, and he's got excellent touch. Like that was something we hammered, uh, going into the draft, and then after they picked Nick Smith, um, it was a really nice talent grab for the Hornets at 27. He was probably only available there because it had been kind of a shaky, injury-riddled freshman season at um, at Arkansas. I love the like verve he brings defensively. Um, he's going to have to get um, he is going to have to improve on that end. Some of that will probably be out of his hands. A little bit or will come down to like strength stuff too like when the hornets played phoenix i think that was last week I mean, you can see the suns um having their full complement of players their star players with booker durant and beal like they went at him a little bit like he's gonna you know when ish smith isn't out there or you know smith is gonna be the smallest guy in the court or next to rosier the you know the second smallest guy whatever um and there were just some issues where, and, and I think this this is like hard stuff for for a, a rookie guard, but there were like issues where like you know he'd switch on to Durant, and then Charlotte would try to like scram switch him out of there, and like it just the uh, there was one of those possessions where like he scram switched out, but he did like he didn't know quite when to go, and I, I believe Durant just sort of like caught turned and made a wide open shot. Um, and Steve Clifford uh, just you know, collapsed on the sidelines in, in frustration. But he plays hard on that side of the court. And I, I think he's got like upside to be a, a totally solid defender. 
um, and, and be a guy that can give you some screen navigation and, and give you some point guard, you know, opposing defense against point guards. I like the fit with Lamelo as like an off-ball mover, handoff guy. You've seen him do a lot of that so far this season, and um, yeah, again, there are gonna be some games for him that are gonna look tough because he's so jumper dependent. Um, he does need to improve as a passer and a, as a playmaker, his pacing in the pick and roll. But he can score, and he's got great touch. He's got nice fakes. Like he, he, it feels like once a game he gets someone with like a head fake, a shoulder fake, a shot fake. They can use that to to get to a pull up or to maybe try to get downhill. I actually think that was what he did to to Vooch on that play I just referred to a second ago. So I've been encouraged with, with Nick Smith. I think actually both the Hornets' first round picks this season. Um, you know, Miller, despite some of the challenges as his role has increased, he's had a great rookie season. And I, and I think Nick Smith quietly is having um, a nice rookie season is perhaps poised to take on a, on a larger load as the, as the year continues. Yep. Well said. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I think he could play, you know, next to Lamelo in the future. I think his, his probably, if I had to project out right now, it would be, he's more of a, heated up kind of guy, energy guy, six man uh, mold. But uh, as you said, he's, he's probably going to get either by injury, shutting guys down or trading guys. He's probably going to get a larger role along with McGowan's uh, as the season goes on. And with these inflated shooting numbers right now, it, it'll just be interesting to monitor. Can, can he keep that shot, um, that shooting average from behind the arc around 40%? You know when when he yeah. when usage goes up and and if he ends the season somewhere around there we it's very very encouraging that that would be huge because in, in like what's been great is like early in the season you know Nick was really only playing in like blowouts and so it was hard to like you know sometimes he would have a really nice play you know he they'd run him off a little floppy action he'd come off a, a, a pin down and 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 let it fly. And you're like, wow, that looks great. And then you realize, you know, then you remind yourself, you know, they're down 34. There's 90 seconds in the game left in the right. game. Like, I don't know how quite – that's really hard to still do, but, like, I don't know how real this is. But, like, the game against Chicago uh, the other night, like, that's a real game. He's playing real minutes against real minutes, the team yeah. that's, like, trying to play – like, trying to make the playoffs. So, like, he's starting to do this against older guys, real competition, um, which is encouraging. And, again, I would – I think like touch is a skill you can bet on touch uh, shooting range. And Spencer, you've talked about this a lot too, just like his passion, his, his fight, his compete level. Those are things you can, you can bet on. And it's worth mentioning like in the, if he ends up sort of like intermediate to long-term with the Hornets being the like, you know, six man, uh, you know, offensive engine off the bench, plays some hybrid lineups with Lamelo hybrid lineups with Miller, et cetera. Like he's so much better suited for that role than like book night uh, yeah. was as a prospect. Like just, I, you know, I'll always, I'll, I remain committed to the fact that like, you know, um, book night has obviously had a challenging career for a lot of, a lot of different reasons, but he's been in, he's been put in a pretty bad context in terms of like the team has been terrible. And I think he, he's been put in some, a role at times that's not really like suited for for what his skill set, if it even could be optimized, like how, like, you know, the way that it should be. Right. You know, with Cody Martin being back in the lineup and hopefully healthy for the rest of the season, you know, those, th these three playing together, Nick Smith, McGowan's Cody Martin, like the energy level is going to be up. 
and that's because Cody Martin's spearheading that, right? And I, and I just like, like, McGowan. They, they're not – all three of them are going to be on the floor a lot together, but two of the three, like, I like these young players playing next to Cody Martin in the backcourt and that energy level staying up. Like, I think that could be a positive, just on the fringes, just of note, you know, a positive developmental uh, piece for, for these two guys playing with Cody. There's going to be a lot of draft coverage the next uh, five and a half months. I actually looked it up this week, June 27th. That is the date of, of the 2024 draft. You know, the lottery drawing will be at some point um, in the middle of May uh, during the 2024 playoffs. The Hornets will participate in the lottery, not the playoffs. Uh, once again, to the surprise of uh, no one really. Um, and the Hornets are going to have a <laughs> chance at, at getting a number one pick. So we're going to have plenty of time. Um, to to kick the can on some of the potential options for the Hornets, you know, in that top, you know, three to four range. Uh, I even uh, well, one of the pods that I recorded with Richie the other day, I mentioned Ron Holland, um, who it does seem like he sort of slid a little bit from the from like the number one spot, maybe closer to like three four uh, wing for the G League Ignite. That's having trouble with his shot, handles up and down, but like would be the like sort of like boost in terms of like athleticism and defensive upside on the wing, the Hornets could be interested in, but we'll have more time to get into that later. Um, what we are going to focus on since this is like uh, really when conference play and college basketball is starting to, to heat up, uh, we're going to go to our backyard here in the state of North Carolina. We're going to look to the Atlantic coast conference. Um, likely when people are listening to this in podcast form, these games are going to have expired, but there is, there's a big Saturday uh, of college hoops um, through the ACC. And I think it's worth at least just sort of like highlighting um, a few a few of the prospects here, um, starting with the game that is actually going to take place uh, latest Saturday. That's Duke at Notre Dame uh, with a 6 p.m. tip-off time. And Duke, I think, just has unquestionably uh, the best prospect in the ACC in Kyle Filipowski. Um sophomore, uh, you know, sort of like hybrid front court guys playing the vast majority of his minutes at center after playing the vast majority of his minutes last season at power forward next to Derek Lively. Um, he's special, Spencer. I know you've seen a lot of him play probably over the last two seasons, but he's doing different stuff this year. Um, they've got him in a like playmaker front court role that is akin to how they use Paolo Bancaro. Um, and they're posting him up. They're used, they're playing, they're going five out. They're using him as a pick and roll ball handler. They're using him as a pick and roll screener. He can pick and pop. He can short roll. He's an incredible passer on the short roll. His court mapping is incredible. And you see that in a bunch of different spots, especially when he's playing out of the post. He just, he flings skip passes like like the basketball is a softball, like just lasers. Um, and it, it should be mentioned that like while Duke is trying to play five out with Kyle Filipowski, with Mark Mitchell at power forward, he's shooting 4% on threes this season. Like teams just aren't guarding Mark Mitchell. And so Duke has problem solved, and they found some things to work to sort of compensate having a non-shooter at the forward spot. But it, it does mean that like, Flip is not seeing the sort of like five out looks and spacing that I think Duke was anticipating coming into the season. And he's still putting up just unbelievable numbers, unbelievable numbers. And I think that one of the things that 
despite all of the incredible production on offense and on the glass, I think what has been most encouraging for him this season, um, even the Duke is not as good as they were defensively a year ago. Obviously, you lose Derek Lively, who's a defensive, he's a savant at, as, he, as a young defensive center. Um, but what Flip has done moving to the center spot has been like he's block rate up above almost 8% this season. He's like quarterbacking the defense. And Duke's used him in I don't even know how many different coverage types this season. He's usually up at the level guarding pick and roll. And he's got the he's got the foot speed um to, to be pretty good up at the level. They've used him in drop. That was what they went to primarily against Baylor, which was a huge win for Duke this season. They've had him switch out. And not on just like, you know, so so college ball handlers, like switching out onto Judah Mint at Syracuse, switching out onto Ray J. Dennis at Baylor or Jaden Nunn at Baylor. Uh, or Jacoby Walter at Baylor, um, and he can he can hang with those guys and keep them in front. They used him to hard hedge. They've had him, play, you know, quarterbacking the zone, and so I say all of that um, to bring up the fact that like Flip is definitely like a bit of a tweener. I think position wise, like defensively, um, because he you know uh, he probably doesn't have quite the size and length to be like a like true drop center in the NBA and someone that's going to like really close off the paint with like amazing ground coverage and rim protection, though he, he, he has some of that. Um, but I think he's shown strides in terms of that. He's shown the ability that he can do that. He can hold up being your screen defender on, you know, 75% of those possessions or whatever. And with the switching, he's shown the ability that he can be mobile in space too. So like, even if a team sort of like views flip as like, Oh, we think he's a a four for us long-term. I think maybe you feel even like a little bit more encouraged about flips ability to sort of like defend in space and you know, get deflections, be in passing lanes, just a guy that can like be a team defender, putting out fires when he's like the low man on the weak side and has the ability to like guard guys in space when he gets switched out onto a, you know, a faster guard with the ball. So do you have any thoughts on Filipowski so far this season? Well, I, I mean, you know, you you laid it out perfectly. I I think he's one of the more complete products in this upcoming draft. Um, his combination of physicality, skill level. You know, you mentioned his footwork is really really good for his size. You know, the only thing you circle when you're like, yeah, this makes me nervous. And you mentioned not great length uh, to play five, and athleticism is is so so. But like his physicality. When I saw him, and, and it jumped off uh, on the screen last season, BG, but when I saw him in the ACC championship game in person in Greensboro against Virginia last year, he bullied them from he's start. A, he's a tank. He's like, a tank. His physicality is going to make up for a lot of the limitations athletically or lengthwise in the NBA, which is why I think actually he can be a full-time five. Now, I think it needs to be a certain kind of team, right? You need to have good defensive wings. You need to have – things that cover up, you know, a, a roamer behind him, you know, things like this. But I think he can be a five. His passing blows me away. I mean, like it's – you mentioned it, but you can play you – know, you can he can quarterback the offense from the top of the floor and, you know, uh, it, it, with cutters and, and off-ball movers, things like that. And like you said, he's very, he's very, very good in the tune at reading a double and, and skipping a, you know, a cross-court pass to the corner, whatever it might be. So – I couldn't be more impressed with him. And again, I'll end with what I finished. I just think he's he's going to be 21 his rookie season, so a little bit older. 
but he's going to come in and be ready to play immediately. And I think he's one of the more well put together products. Um, like he'll be in the running for rookie of the year to me, just because I think he's going to be so ready to play. Yeah. And I mean, he's going to be in it right now. He's in the running. I mean, he probably like he's probably been, I mean, he's been the best player in the ACC, which is saying something because PJ Hall out of Clemson has been damn good too. Um, but but Flip is like certainly like in the conversation for like national player of the year too, um, and I think he solidified himself as like a top ten, top fourteen lottery style pick. Um, I thought the the Kelly Olynyk comp heading into the season was an interesting one for him, um, but I, I just think he's shown some stuff defensively, and he's so physical that that maybe they're actually he can like beyond him just like being in rotations for like the next decade, like maybe he's, maybe he even is a guy that can like start, like be a, you know, a good starter too. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, love what he's done so far this season. Um, look, we could stick and talk a few couple extra guys on Duke, like Tyrese Proctor, Jared McCain, who's shooting the hell out of the ball so far this season. But I think some of the, like, we'll have plenty of time to get to those guys. I'd like to get to some of the quickly. I'd like to get to some of the sort of like, lesser discussed guys in the league who are also loom as sort of like, you know, first round, depending on who you're reading, you know, first round picks or type talents. Um, so we're, we're going to shift over. There's, there's three more guys I'd like to touch on quickly. And the first one is, uh, is Ryan Dunn um, at Virginia and a guy that like looks to be a special defensive prospect. Um, you could see it pop off the screen, his freshman season, at Virginia, I'll never forget watching him in that first game against Monmouth last season. Um, what was his first game of, of his career? And he just his his ground coverage and his uh, anticipation skills and his length were everywhere. Um, and that's that's like that's shown through this season. Like he's been incredible blocks, steals, the ground coverage. Um, I still think he's maybe lacking the sort of like incredible on ball like perimeter you know move his move your feet laterally shut down defense but the team defense is is unbelievable and the, he has he has possessions this year too and I, I know you've seen him play a lot at virginia where like he has to like you know it's a it's a ball screen he's got it he's playing the four he's got to go out and hedge the screen 25 feet okay recover back to the paint all right now they just Opponent threw the ball to the post. All right, now I got to go double the post. He goes over, doubles the post, forces a bat, forces a skip pass out. That guy, the 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 guy who catches the skip pass, then drives from the weak side corner or wing to the rim, and then Ryan Dunn's waiting there to just smother it. And just like he has these possessions where he does over the, over the course of fifteen seconds, he's he covers like a hundred yards of ground, <laughs> and, and he's then, you know, and he, yeah, and he's processing all of it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And yeah, some as the system helps him get processed that quicker, but but you're right, it comes natural to him for, on that for end. sure. And and that is, I mean, for whatever it's worth, that is a system that like, not like I don't I don't think it's like deflated, you know, blocks and seals numbers or anything like that. But like you know, they have two guys with Reese Beekman and, and Ryan Dunn right now that like are incredible, <laughs> like sort of like outliers for a great defensive program, like. That's not a team that's done it on like creating events. It's been on like making teams take terrible shots and you know rebounding the hell out of the ball. Um, and and those guys are can can obviously really go. Um, but yeah, the the issues with Dunn, um, you know, certainly lie on the offensive side of the court. So Spencer, I'll, I'll leave it to you there. Any anything? Where, where would you like to take it on Dunn here at the end? 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's shooting 19% from behind the arc right now. I mean, I, I think that he's much better than that. Shot doesn't look broken. It does uh, not. Agreed. He, he's got to speed up his his release. He's got to look more. Right now, I just he don't want to shoot. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned this uh, before we jumped on here, too. But, like, teams are swallowing up, uh, swallowing up McNeely, um, not really not guarding done right now. And that has really, really hampered. Virginia's offense. I think Notre Dame did a fantastic job of that last weekend. But, you know, I, <clears throat> Dunn's got to be able to shoot a little bit better. Uh, he's very – he's not a good finisher. He's kind of out of control at the rim. Uh, he, he just looks sped up there. Um, you know, de- decent rebounder. Um, I, I think he could be better on that end. Uh, you know, UVA does it. They're crashing the glass on the offensive end a little bit more this season. And I think Dunn has the chance to develop quickly as a rebounder because he's being asked to play five for this team a lot, uh, which is a huge existential crisis for Virginia basketball this season. But he's just over he's overtaxed there. Um, but he's going to be able to, you know, to develop and become a, a better rebounder by just playing that position more often. But, you know, he, he's an intriguing prospect, BG, overall. I would say he's still very, very raw. Um offensively and in some ways i think you put him into an nba uh, floor and he becomes more raw defensively you know again like his reads are simpler even though he's really really good at it which you laid out well his reads are simpler the court is shrunk in at virginia right in college basketball whereas in the nba he's got to cover that much more ground and maybe he's even better than you know I, i don't know but it is it is asking a different question um so I think he's intriguing. His length, his athleticism is is amazing. Uh, he is just your prototype NBA wing. Um, so we'll see. But he's got to shoot the ball better. He's got to be a, bit, a better finisher. And I think he could be a more impactful rebounder. Uh, and today is going to be a really, really big test for him uh, going against um, Burns. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Virginia's going to be able to play Dunn at the five very often today when Burns is in there. But they're going to do it some. So basically, yeah. Don's going to be tested. They'll, you know, they'll double DJ, but you know, DJ good, pretty good passer out of the post too. So now that'll be a fascinating matchup. Um, yeah, it does feel like the misses have gotten in his head a little bit. You know, I thought earlier in the year he was actually like, you know, he'd be a couple of them fly. He was getting good looks. Um, you know, Beekman looked really good kicking out to him, and a couple of did their different actions. Um, what's tough is I also think like Virginia is just like struggling to find an identity offensively. And like, even that's like making, it's like compounding the issues with Dunn. I mean, like, I think his limitations as a shooter are sort of like also caught, like, you know, it's chicken and egg. these things go two directions, but like, um, you know, they've, they've done a lot of this sort of like inside triangle motion offense. And there's just not like a real good role for him in terms of that. Like he ends up standing on the wing, um, and, and no one has to guard him. And it's like, then he can crash from the corner either on a cut or to go for an offensive rebound. But like, I, I don't know, it's a tough diet to sort of like subsist out of. And also then like Virginia's transition defense is maybe like not what you want it to be either. So yeah. he's just um, an empty vessel offensively right now. A little yeah. bit to me. You know, he can't shoot, you know, you, you know, on blocker mover, he can't do much with it. You know, if he catches it on the slip, they have he, to use him on the dive, like, like big yeah, right. on a couple of dives this year. And like, you know, he catches it in space and he's close to the rim and like, yeah, he knows what to do with it there. But yeah, like it's the, it's when they, when the, when those things, like when like it breaks off into like the two man actions on the side, uh, you know, he's trying to like pick and pop and do handoff stuff. Like then it, it, it doesn't really quite have the same 
it's it's just not as like easy for him. Um, he's but he not has really he has to be he has to be involved in the offense because they're so one dimensional right now in terms of McNeely shooting coming off the ball, you know, coming off the screen. Uh, you know, Groves, Rody, catch and shoot off. I mean, Beekman going to the rim, like that's that's so well scouted that he has to be able to take attention specifically off of a Beekman drive or a McNeely coming off the screen. Like he's got to be impactful in some way. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, BG, of um, uh, Trey Murphy of Virginia. Obviously, Trey Murphy was a really, really good shooter, so that's not comparable. But there's not much else he could do. At Virginia, in the second half of that season, they unlocked something with his baseline cuts off the ball that really, really freed up that offense. And in some ways, you know, Dunn has to be more involved in the offense than Murphy did. But Bennett needs to try to find a way to define some more baseline off-ball cut opportunities. And Beekman is a good enough passer, uh, you know, kind of wiggle, fake one way, come the other way. There's, you know – you got to find a way to get him easier buckets and get him going. I think, well, one of the ways they really tapped into that with Murphy as like a corner cutter was like the Jay Huff pick and pop. Like, you know, um, you know, Huff is not like, wasn't like an amazing passer, but was pretty good. And obviously he had like very powerful gravity as a pick and pop guy. So it was like, you know, run that pick and pop to the side and have Huff pop to the side of the floor that Mur- the board Murphy's in that corner. Then if that guy comes up to stunt off of Murphy onto Huff on the pop, well then he could just feed Trey cutting along the baseline. Like Groves has Groves is a really good shooter. I'm not sure he's like quite the same passer as as Huff, but yeah, that's like not a that that's the kind of stuff they need. It's just they're so starved for offensive uh, production and in finishing that a guy like Dunn's just too talented to be like, well, we'll we'll see what happens. Like. He's a game changer for them if they can if they can figure out. And obviously, like he's dynamic in the open floor. Some of the dunks he's had this season have been uh, absolutely ridiculous. Um, all right, let's actually just get to one more guy since we're we're going a little long here. But um, I was gonna I wanted to touch on Judah Mintz, uh, but we'll maybe save the Syracuse guard for another day. I did see him up close at, at Duke this week. He was pretty impressive in that game. But I want to talk about Bub Carrington. Uh, it was a name that I'm not sure how many I think he's caused he's created enough buzz so like maybe some people listening to this have heard of him yet or they've watched a Pittsburgh game. I'm not sure how much you caught of him so far this season, Spencer, but this guy's he's okay. Uh, this one's on you. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, Bob Carrington, he's one of the youngest freshmen in the country. He's one of the youngest, you know, quasi twenty twenty four draft prospects. Six five point guard, skinny, hundred ninety pounds out of Pittsburgh. Um, big time, uh, like mid range pull up shooter, and I think that's probably boosted some of the overall efficiency numbers that much. He doesn't draw a ton of fouls, the drives are a little concerning, but some of the shot making from a 18 year old freshman point guard, um, at 6'5 are, are really, really impressive. Like the game against West Virginia, go back and watch that. I mean, he hit some just Absolutely ridiculous shots. I know West Virginia is not the greatest team in the world, but man, he he did some big big time stuff um, in that game. Go back and watch the the Florida game from earlier this year. Some of the early season games, like uh, really interesting, like upside bet in terms of on ball creation. Um, and I think he's just done like a nice. He's not just a like a, a chucker. Like he runs the offense. He can pass. Um, almost 30% assist rate this season, 16% turnover rate. 
Um, and I think, I think like he's going to shoot it better, um, you know, from deep, he's like low thirties, but he shot at Wolf from the line. He's got pull up shooting potential too. So there's like, there's maybe something there with, with Bub Carrington, um, and Pittsburgh's just like an interesting team there. They, they've started zero and three in conference play. Uh, UNC beat them this week, but they've got a couple like, like Bub Carrington is like a legit NBA prospect. And then they've got a couple other like fringy guys in the front court, like Blake Blakehinson, who can is like a stretch four that can. He's, he's like the ACC's like PJ Washington, but like like but like with like more of a green yeah. light to shoot from deep, you know. Yeah. Um, and he and he is not afraid to shoot. No, no he's not. No, he's never. <laughs> no, I mean he'll go one for eleven. You know, four straight games and in, in you know from deep and keep chucking. But yeah, you know, got another guy, uh, Guillermo Diaz Graham, uh, mm-hmm. seven foot sophomore center that can really run. He's shooting it this season. Just like a really uh, interesting young. Uh, like mobile center prospect. Zach Austin's had a tough season shooting the ball. The guy he transferred in from high point, but he's, he's one of the best athletes in the ACC, one of the best dunkers in college basketball. And I don't, I don't think like Federico Federico is like a prospect for the NBA per se, but like, man, he's a really uh, rangy ground coverage, uh, you know, defensive center. That's also pretty darn good slipping and diving. Like, that's got you know legit six eleven seven foot or whatever like he's the guy I just like I wouldn't be surprised that like uh you know it's not it's never gonna get drafted or whatever but like you know I could see him just being like a you know a buy low like um you know defensive you know screen and dive uh defensive center that can also play above the rim a little bit offensively so like Pitt's got some interesting players but but Bub Carrington is the really the guy to like watch for them um uh in, in Jeff Capel's offense. Well, and all these guys that you mentioned, BG, outside of Bob Carrington, they're all returning players for Pitt, too. So, I mean, you know, I, I watched the first half of that Carolina game last week and recognized a lot of it. It's the first time I've seen Pitt this season. I was like, okay, this is this looks like the same team. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw last year definitely a high ceiling offensively. Defensively, you know, they leave something to be desired. But this is a team that's going to be heard from the ACC this year. I yeah. just imagine. There's too much talent. There's too much right. talent for them to, to, not, uh, to not be heard. They're not going to finish the season – uh, last in the ACC. No, 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 no. I think well, that, they're. That, I think they're will, above five hundred team. In the ACC. Yeah, no, I, I do too. I think they're like a middle of the pack team, even though they've gotten yeah. off to a tough start. Um, and no, Louisville will finish last in the ACC. <laughs> well, by God's good graces, the Pitt Panthers play at Louisville today, so they will get on the board with yeah, the win in the ACC. We'll, we'll see. Um, but plenty of guys to talk th- to talk through. Like I, I would like to get into Judah Mintz at some point with you, we've talked a lot about Reese Beekman before, but some other guys to talk about Proctor, Jared McCain, just as far as ACC guys go, but we'll have, we'll have more time to get into them. We've already gone on for too long. I'm sure Richie is, uh, who's producing this is just laughing at you and I just <laughs> dovetailing to a 30 minute discussion on Virginia. ACC basketball. Absolute sickos, but, but thank you very much, uh, for, uh, for listening in to this episode uh, uh, of BuzzBeat, whether you listened live or you're checking it out in the podcast form uh, a few days from now. And make sure you listen to Richie's discussion with uh, Darian uh, from Trust the Buzz. That was a post-game reaction pod um, from after the Chicago loss. But some good stuff in there. I've only made it through about the first 20 minutes so far uh, as, as before we recorded, but was enjoying the discussion on, on Brandon Miller. Uh, at the uh, the start of that, so make sure you listen to that. Uh, please uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, s- consider subscribing to us um, 
on, on Substack and, uh, and enjoying all of the, the sort of like, yeah, content as we continue to sort of like, you know, mull through the season with the Hornets and, and look ahead to the off season. All right, PG, uh, that was fun. Yep, yep. All right, all right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. Go Hornets. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com